Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 101st episode of the Truth Island podcast. Respect is perhaps one of the strongest currencies that we have in our society today. Respect is often a prerequisite to being taken seriously, and perhaps even maintaining a healthy degree of self-esteem in the workplace or with friends and family. Virtually all religions preach that each of us should treat each other with a certain degree of respect, with the book of Deuteronomy stating, you shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your brothers or one of the sojourners who are in your land within your towns. Even our very own golden rule states, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. However, moving into the 21st century, the word respect, much like pride, has radically become redefined. There are perhaps countless motivational and war movies where the famous lines are uttered, you need to earn my respect, is that clear? We are told on one hand to love and respect all, but on the other, we are told that respect is something that needs to be earned through accomplishment and through prolonged demonstration. We are told that the values and words and ideas of accomplished men and women are far greater than perhaps people we would just meet in our normal day-to-day occurrences. Indeed, the level of veneration that we often afford someone can usually be tied to their wealth or other tangible measures of societal success. The question then arises, just how exactly should we evaluate and dole out respect? The knowledge one has accrued, their accomplishments, if they are older than us, or perhaps the goodness of their character. Another issue that manifests is how we should treat people who we ourselves don't respect, or how should we behave when we are not being respected? Joining me to help bring more respect to this program, I am once again joined by Kenny. Now, Kenny, I must warn you, if I am not entreated with the proper respect that I deserve, I'm going to have to end this conversation. Oh, I well, respectfully, respectfully say, up yours. <laughs> no, <laughs> no I, I think there is a distinction. I mean, so I think, first of all, that this is a very beautiful subject because I think a lot of people feel this. I don't know any employee that doesn't want to be respected or any employer that doesn't want to be respected. I don't know any wife that doesn't want to be respected or husband that doesn't want to be respected. Children even have won some degree of respect and so forth friends want respect. Um, I think respect is something that I think it, would, it means a lot to people. Now, that being said, I do believe that there is a distinction. I think there are, there are different, should I say, forms of respect and different categories of respect. So for example, when you know, it talks about, you spoke earlier about the different religions and how they you know, indicate that you know, we should have a certain degree of respect for each other. I believe in the Bible, it talks about how God is not a respecter of persons and how we should strive to be the same way. It talks about how if a rich man comes into your church and a poor man comes into your church, you don't say to the rich man, um, you sit here in the good place and you say to the poor man, hey, you, why don't you sit here on the floor by my feet? So that's not right. You've become wicked judges. I, I No, I think that is something that we have certainly forgotten about in our society, that we tend to think that respect is correlated with success and that like if you, and you know, and again, I think that money and wealth is a proxy to that success. And I think there's a lot of danger in that. I think all of the the major religions kind of preach against this idea of only respecting those who are considered to be our betters 
Uh, we may look up to these people and we, we may admire some of the things that they have achieved and, and may learn from that. But to fundamentally respect one human being over another, there's something inhuman about that. Well, yeah, I mean, it depends because, and here's why I say it depends. The first thing is, I believe that there's a, the first category is respect on the most basic level, the humanity of the person. Now, if you respect one person's very existence more than another person's existence, you're going to cause a lot of trouble. This is where the idea, and I like how it's you know um, indicated in the New Testament says, you said it earlier, do unto others as you would be done by. So we're talking about fun the fundamental juices or the fundamental experience of interaction. So I'm not going to look at a rich man, uh, at least I hope not, I'm not going to look at a rich man and upon a poor man and treat them differently because one is rich and one is poor. No, they're both human beings. So if, if one of them trips and, you know, ends up tripping, I go help either one. I mean, I go help both of them because they are humans. They're my fellow travelers in this world. And to make the distinction of the humanity is, I think, really dangerous because then if you consider one person human, what do you, what do you consider the other one? Well, either, you know, a demon or a god. And the problem is once that happens, you begin to, well, as James says, interact or you become a judge with an evil mind. But I do believe there's a place where the other, you know, you talked, you know, where, where you said um, a person has to earn the respect. Yeah, to some extent, I think that's also true, but not on the fundamental level of humanity. I think that's possible, for example, in vocation. I'm not going to give my hardest and most valuable project to an employee that isn't good at his job. I'm not going to give it to someone who I know is lazy or someone who I know is not going to speak to the clients kindly or respectfully. I'm going to give it to my hardest working um, employee and I'm going to give it to my uh, most uh, dedicated and I will say respectful employee because, because of the distinction on a, on a vocational level, there is a distinction there. I must make the right decision because now we, we're in a new category. And so because of that categorical shift, my the respect category, or should I say, the, the our, in, our interaction based on respect has changed. And so I think there is a place where a person needs to show you, or should I say, earn that respect, earn that honor of being, of being classified as one who is worthy of honor or one who is worthy of respect in that category. Now I, I like I, now I think this is a good distinction that we need to make. Um, let's talk about the first category. So you have what we call basic humanity respect. As Homo sapiens, we need to make a distinction that we are not like animals. Like we, we all human beings are entitled to baseline levels of respect. And, you know, one time, I, I think there was this philosophical question that I, I once read, and then I asked my students, I was like, imagine you're walking down the street, and somebody has a gun, and it's like, okay, do you choose to sacrifice the life-saving surgeon, or do you sacrifice the janitor, or something like that, right? And it's like, and there's so many arguments that you could make, well, oh, the, the surgeon is going to save, like, you know, a, a 500 people over the course of his or her lifetime, whereas the janitor is not. And I think we 
the right answer to that is it should really just be a coin toss. Like you, you can, no one can really definitively say that the surgeon is more valuable than, than the janitor. I just, I think that that is impossible to say. What if that surgeon, you know, is a terrible guy? Maybe I, I you know, maybe that janitor is really good to his kids and so forth. I think, I, I think that, but a lot of people, they, they may outwardly say, oh yeah, yeah, I respect the janitor and the surgeon equally. It doesn't really manifest in the way that they actually end up treating these people. Like it actually does not, it, you know, they outwardly say that all lives are created equal, but you, you can see that they, 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 you know, when the surgeon is talking, they, they zip it up. They're like, oh yes, yes, I, I will do that. Yes, sir, I, I agree with you. And with the janitor, it's excuse me, excuse me. You didn't, uh, you know, I see a stain over there on the carpet, right? So that respect, that fundamental humanity respect is not evenly distributed. We, it could be at the subconscious level, but at the subconscious level, we are deciding that some people in our society are worth more than others. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a very, it's a very natural thing for human beings to do. We like making distinctions. We like making categories. We like separating our peas from our mashed potatoes. And so it's, it only makes sense that even on this, you know, fundamental level, we do the exact same thing. Now, this is why, this is why, you know, being a quote unquote religious minded person is incredibly difficult because often often, not all the time, but often religion is often trying to make you something that is contrary to your fundamental nature. And so you find that these ideas that we have, and they are ideals, they're ideas, ideals, and we hold them very highly. We often cannot or find it very difficult to attain them or to live up to them. So at the end of the day, the, the, the surgeon is far more important to us, vocational or not, than the janitor. Now that's that's our logic speaking, right? Our, our logic is speaking, and th- this is kind of where we kind of have to engage. Maybe this is not the right word, but we kind of have to almost engage in the irrational and say that. You know, I I don't even want to use the word irrational because I, I'm thinking about this deeply, and it's like unless I know precisely all the good things that one person has done and all the bad that, you know, all the good things that the other person has done, unless you're like God, you really can't make that evaluation of which life is more important or of more value. So that that's, I think, a humbling thing that everyone needs to say to themselves. It might look on paper that that surgeon is more important and more worthy of our respect. It might look like that on paper, but who knows, maybe that surgeon secretly murdered someone 10 years ago and, you know, buried the body in a ditch somewhere. You don't know those things. You don't know exactly what it is that that person has done or has not done. And therefore, I I think you cannot, even if your logic is screaming in your right ear, no, this person's more valuable. You kind of need to shut that off because you're not, you're not all knowing and you, you, you can't make a decision with incomplete information. Yeah, I believe that one of the problems with this is that human beings have all walks of life and so forth and different um, different informational backgrounds instructing how they think and, you know, the choices they make. Um, So I would say that for people with religious backgrounds, for them, it's actually quite easy. You ask them, okay, why is a person why why is the surgeon far more important? I mean, far the same as the uh, 
um, the genital? Well, they say, well, it's simple to them, especially for Christians. They'll say they're, they're both created an image of God, which means they have value. The question now is, what does your worldview say? Does your worldview say that these human beings have value? Because if it doesn't, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to say, okay, then why then, why do I have these lofty ideas? And how do I back up these lofty ideas if I don't understand where the value of the human being comes from? You know, is it society that de determines the value of a human being? Well, if that's the case, well, society's opinions are always changing. Yesterday, um, the, the Negroes were, how you say, not humans. And so it would have been actually quite justified for us to have been destroyed, captured, and all the horrible things that happened. Well, then society changed and all of a sudden decides that Negroes have value and now things are changing. So you can't rely on society because society is always changing. There was a time when homosexuality was actually considered a mental illness and now it's not. Society is not stable. Society is a, is a, is a, is a, is a whirlpool of indecision, irrationality, human efforts, human deceits cons uh, and conceits. And so it, it is important that each individual finds out exactly where they're getting their, their ideas and, and make sure that it's correlating with, you know, with reality. I love that, man, that's beautiful because you're right. Our logic deceives us because who's valuable today may not be who's valuable tomorrow. And I even just, just thinking about that example you gave, maybe for example, that janitor, raises a son or daughter who becomes like, you know, invents like, you know, the cure for cancer or something like yeah. that, right? Now that, now that guy went from being a janitor to the father of the founder, uh, you know, to the doctor who cured this disease or, or so forth, right? And, and, like, yeah. and then when that person's writing their autobiography, I would like to just thank my father for being an inspiration, right? Now all of a sudden daddy's value has gone up tremendously. So that's, that's, that's really important that when we're looking at all human life, just because somebody is stuck in a particular circumstance today does not mean that they will be in that circumstance forever. And there might be other unknown variables that are going on in their life that gives their life supreme worth and supreme value. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I totally agree with this. I mean, it's just that the only problem that I see, we don't care. We simply don't care. If, if, so we, we'd rather literally rather microwave you know uh was it called a pot sticker than go through the process of making it fresh we just we like that it's simple we just can sit down and watch our naruto and so we don't care that this janitor or this you know dishwasher is going to be the far the father or the forefather of some great individual we don't we don't care because right now all we judge is what we see we don't judge with right judgments. We judge based on, you know, what we see, only what we see. And so this is why some of the most brilliant and beautiful people you'll ever meet in your life are people who tend, for one reason or the other, up to them, to care for all sorts of individuals, rich, poor, um, tall, short, black, Chinese, white, doesn't matter to them. They just care for people. They just uh, they want to know people. They ask. They they, and they um, they want to treat them well. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think I, I think we definitely need 
to return to to this in our in our in our world. Um, now let's and and yes, and we should always be aware of that. What we see is is not necessarily what we're getting. Um, moving moving on to the second category, and I like the um, example you use. Like let's say you're the owner of a company or something like that. And one dude is just slacking off, always late, always missing deadlines. You should not really afford the dude who's slacking off the same respect as you would afford the person that is working really hard and is going above and beyond. And talk to me a little bit more about how, how are we making those distinctions and like, how are we explaining that one to ourselves? Well, so first I'll give you a little anecdote, just a little um, example. If if um, if Bob and John were workers at my company and um, Bob was doing an incredibly good job and John was not, now it would be easy for me to go and scream at John and humiliate him and fire him. That would be incredibly easy. But personally, I'm not saying that this is universally the case, but personally, I would find that to be wrong because John is a human being. And so this is where the first, the first, the first category of respect comes in, respecting his humanity. So I'm not gonna treat him like an animal. I'm not gonna scream at him. He's, he's a human doing a job in my company. The human, is, the human business, his human business is not my problem. The fact that he exists is not my problem. The fact that he's not working hard is my problem. And so I'm not going to scream at him. I'm not going to rip, you know, grab, rip him a new one, as we say. I'm going to walk up to John. I'm going to say, listen, man, you're not doing a good job. It's just that simple. Now, it's, we're going to give you a grace period of perhaps a week, maybe a month. If things don't change, we're going to have to let you go. It's just that simple because it's not a personal thing. It's professional. And I have other employees that it wouldn't be fair for me to, how you say, have them carry his slack. And so um, I think I would treat him as a human being, treat him with uh, like a man with a brain, like a man with a soul, um, because I do believe in the soul. And, and professionally, and that will play into the way I speak to him about his professional conduct, but his professional conduct is the problem. And so there will be consequences for his you know, professional, professional conduct. Now, I really like what you're saying in the sense that regardless of who walks in there, you know, even if this guy has a bad attitude, he's nasty, um, you know, just has an outward disdain for being at work and whatnot, you're still being like, this man is not a horse. He is a human being. No matter how nasty he gets, you you never fundamentally forget that fact that he is a human being. And I like that yep. you said he has a brain and a soul and so forth. However, when you're talking with this individual, your language is very specific as to why your respect for him is very low at that particular moment. Like, hey, yeah. you know, I, I like what Tom over here is doing. You're both human beings. You both have brains and so forth. But here is the the actions, right? It's the actions that Tom is taking every single day that make him much more trustworthy and much more respectable, I guess, than yeah. you right now. And, and, and as long as you're being very clear in that, then you're not, you're not depriving him of his humanity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because I think that this spreads out through, you know, many different categories. So I think that, it, and it, it would be actually even fair to talk to the guy who's doing perfectly well and, you know, 
encourage him, give him a raise or whatever it is that the company allows, because he's earned that. He has earned that. He's put in work and effort, and it belongs to him as long as, you know, you, as long as there's avenue for that, um, while the other man has not. And he, 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 because he has not, he doesn't really get much of anything. Okay, so I'm thinking now back to my intro when I gave, you know, respect here is earned, right? And I think of like a, a drill instructor yelling that, right? In all these war movies, the drill instructor is like, you know, you earn my respect or whatever. Yeah. So the, the, the drill instructor is basically saying, when he says the word respect, he's saying to all the cadets, you each have basic human level respect. Like that, that I'm not, I'm not going to lock you in a cage or something like that, you know, and, tre- yeah. and feed you like pellets, like an animal or something. He's basically yeah. saying though, if you want to, you know, become a Marine or if you want to become a part of this unit or a part of these ranks, it's going to be your actions that define you. And I think that, that is some, that's like a mental leap that we all have to kind of make. And that's, that's the great sorting thing that, that we, we all struggle with. Yeah. I mean, believe it or not, the military is actually paying you a wicked compliment by giving you a uniform because they're telling you, we believe you can do this. Just by the fact that you applied, by the fact that you applied, you passed the tests. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the application is for, there's a basic humanity, the application, anybody can apply. Okay. Fundamental. The next level is okay. We respect, we, we understand that you are human, therefore you can apply. The next level is now there's a different category, just a slight stage above that. Are you in physical form? Can you can you physically handle this? Some can, some can't. Well, the ones who can, there's a certain respect given to them, the uniform. Now, when you get there, well, the, the drill sergeant rec- recognizes that. He's now here to form you into an ultimate killing machine. Well, until you become that, you are not, how you say you have not earned the respect of that mm-hmm. and so um there are different levels now the drill sergeant can yell at you because he's earned a certain respect someone yelled at him at some point and so we find that this happens in the military we find that this happens in um in you know the everyday job situation we find that this happens even amongst our social groups sometimes even in um some depending on the large depending on the friendship circle this can be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, this can also be the case in, um, yeah, I, I would say on, on, on a massive, I mean, stars, for goodness sakes, you know, uh, we really respect them. Unfortunately, often that we end up, because human beings, we're so fragile, I believe, and we're so, and we're not fragile in a sense of, oh my goodness, I fell and hurt my knee. We do that for sure. But we're fragile in a sense of, we are so easily carried away with our with with things that are with things that drive us to the wrong place we we get so easily carried away to the wrong direction and so we for example brad pitt god bless his soul with his hard rock abs um my wife would leave me for brad pitt in a heartbeat so (laughs) that's respect right there (laughs) that's respect right there so you know brad pitt with his with his manliness and beauty uh when when he comes to a restaurant and there's quote unquote no seats left for you know for Bob Schmo over here. <laughs> when Brad Pitt walks in, he gets a table. Well, that's not good. That's no. just that's a different situation because now what you're doing is this this is a platform that is available to all individuals, unless the contract of the restaurant is states when a star 
asks, do we have a table reserved simply for stars? And we give it, we don't give it to, you know, people who are not stars. And so there's always a seat available for stars. But if, if you're cutting Brad Pitt at he- ahead of Joe Schmo because simply he's a star, you've done something wrong. What you, you've, you've, you've lowered it to a place where you're saying Joe Schmo, even in his, the basic humanity, the basic levels of I want to eat at your restaurants is not, um, is not as valuable as Brad Pitt. Many will say, well, of course he's not. No, no, he is because he's human. He's human. And so by denying Joe Schmo of a meal and giving it to the man who is more famous, you've done something fundamentally wrong against his humanity unless the contract of the restaurant clearly states that this would be the case under these circumstances. Absolutely, my friend. Um, I, th- I think you're absolutely right because respect should just be afforded to those who can pay for the meal. That, that's all. That, when you open up a restaurant, there's nothing in, in that contract that says, oh, well, we only cater to this class of people, right? Yeah. Now, maybe the restaurant has a dress code. Okay, well, whoever wears a dress shirt or whatever, fine, fair enough. But that's mm-hmm. really, beyond that, beyond your capacity to pay for that meal and abide by the dress code, if, you know, if some dude shows up there in sandals with no shirt on, Okay, well, maybe you don't want to give him a seat in your, you know, four-star restaurant. Fair enough. Yep. <laughs> but, but barring anything outside of that, every human being is entitled to that baseline respect. Absolutely. Now, I want to turn the, the conversation in this direction. We have two kinds of respect, right? We have our, let, let's say we, we go back to our employer situation. We have Tom. Now, let's say Tom is really good at his job. And this is this is what I find happening a lot in, in life. You have people that are remarkably good at what they do. They're remarkably good actors. They're remarkably good workers, but they suck as human beings. Like they are nasty and cruel and cutthroat and all this other stuff. And for me, no matter how damn good you are at your job, if you're a nasty human being, it becomes very difficult for me to respect you. Yeah, I have some layer of respect for like, whoa, you are really damn, damn good at what you do, but I can never fully give you full respect because I don't think you're actually a good person. I I tend to like people who are more unskilled and, and have less to offer, but are generally good people as opposed to people that are highly skilled, but bad people. So do you think I'm right in that? Or, or, or would you disagree with me? No, I mean, I think that makes perfect sense. If, it, if the shit stinks, we don't want to smell it. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. I, I think that, and this is usually the case, unfortunately, people who are really skilled often end up being very unbearable to live with or to deal with. But here's the thing. I, I don't think that's it's so much that, I think by the very fact that you... Do you still see them as humans? You know, if they were hungry, would you feed them? If they were suffering, would you help them? If they were, you know, if some, if they were brought to court and you knew clearly that somebody was telling a lie against them, would you say, hey, listen, this guy, I know him. He may not, he, he's a total jackass, but he, he didn't do this. I was there. You know what I mean? Would you speak up for him? Then if that's the case, you don't have to like him. You don't have to respect the fact that he's a jerk, but you do have to have to understand that he is human. That's if, that's like I said, if your worldview allows for that reasonably, mm-hmm. you have to respect that he's a human. And would you treat him like you would be wanted to treat it at your own basic humanity? You know? Now, 
Okay, to answer that question, I also have to look at how, now I have to look at how that person is treating me. Okay, and this this happens to me a lot, you know, in jobs that I've had, where, okay, I've had two, I've had bosses that are incredibly good at their jobs, but incredibly disrespectful to, to, to their subordinates. I've also had jobs who are losers in both categories. They are really bad at their jobs and highly disrespectful. And what a combination. I, I, right, right, yeah, they're, they're, they've got it all. They, they've got it all. And no matter how good they are at their job, no matter how bad they are at their job, there's some type of people that will say, hey man, that's your boss and you owe your boss respect regardless of whether he's good at his job or she's good at her job, whether she or he or she treats you with respect, it doesn't matter. They're your, they're your, they're your better and you need to respect them. And I say, screw that. If you're disrespecting me, I don't care what, I don't care how many degrees are in the back of your name. I don't care how, you know, I, I don't care if you're a commander slash emperor of the universe. I'm not respecting you because you haven't afforded me baseline uh, respect. And some people, oh man, well, you know, man, you just got to keep quiet, keep your head down, keep your, your shoulders slumped. And eventually that respect will come to you. But from my experience, it never does. Um, people yeah. who are highly abusive, no matter how much you try and make them happy, they continue just being abusive. This is this is what I found about life is that, you know, like they, we have like in the movies, what will happen is you'll have like this hard ass boss, but then through your hard work, then the boss at the end of the movie will be like, yeah, man, you showed me, you know, welcome to the club, you've earned it. Or, you know, I'm like, that never happens. Like a lot of these abusive bosses, no matter how much you try and win their respect, if you're an abusive person by nature, you will continue to be such. And in, in my opinion, you owe that, you should not have to respect those types of people. Okay, let me say this. Fundamentally, I disagree with, with, um, with that, and here's why. Okay. But I will say that it is slightly complicated. Let me, make, let me parse it out first, and then I'll tell you why I disagree. The idea is simply this. There are bosses, there are bosses, or should I say there are people who are difficult to deal with in the fact that they are very, you know, and depending on if we're talking personality, there are people who are simply very A-type choleric, right? So they, they are there at work 3 a.m. till 9 p.m. And that's what they love to do. And often they expect people to be the exact same way they are. And they will explode at anything that goes not their way. So they're basically, you know, um, children with sports cars. So the <laughs> the idea is that, but they may fundamentally be actually still reasonable people. But now, if someone who is very phlegmatic and you know, you know, chill and laid back works for a person like that, he'll say, "Listen, man, that guy is nuts. He's crazy, and I don't want to work for someone like that." Another person in between will say, "Yeah, he's a pretty difficult guy, but I've learned a lot from him, and I'm, you know, he pushes me. He pushes me hard." Okay. So you find that some quote, quote, unquote, horrible bosses, bad bosses rub off different, different ways on different people based on their personality and based on their values. Now, um, some, like I said earlier, some will be very you know, intimidated or very offended, while others will say, yeah, he's hard, but I see something that, you know, something that's very helpful to me. And so it gets... It gets complex. 
And so, you, you know, do you tell all of them to, you know, to disrespect or to walk away? Or do you tell all of them to sit and obey? And you have to ask the question of, you know, what about an abusive husband and wife situation? If a wife is abusing her husband, which does happen, or, uh, you know, husband is abusing his wife, what happens then? Do you say, you know, just respect the uniform, just respect the woman? You know, what, 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 what do you do there? So before I, before I say why I disagree, because I do disagree, I know that there are complex situations in which the the um whoever is in charge must deal with it you know with wisdom so here's why i fundamentally disagree with this well i want to touch upon the, f- the first thing that you you said before we move on to that i have had some bosses that were not the nicest people but and i, I will say but if i noticed that they were the first one in the office and then the last one to leave like they were truly captain like you know there's this idea that the captain must go down with his ship kind of yeah. mentality now i may i'll be honest from a personal standpoint i may not like that like them and i may try and avoid them but i will give them some degree of respect like hey this person is highly competent like i like highly competent people and you can you can probably be a little bit nastier and get away with it if you are highly competent and if i am learning from you if i yeah. if i am learning something from you i will i'll, I'll be more likely to gr- i mean to an extent i'll be more likely to grin and bear it because i'll be like all right well this guy truly is the best of the best and i'm every moment i'm in this person's shadow i am learning and therefore i am becoming better so that does increase my tolerance. Like I want to, I want, I do want to say that. Yeah, no, I, and I think I think that makes sense. That's why you know we have all these uh, movies like that actually do exist of the you know the hard bitten boss who ends up seeing some quirk. Maybe he sees that the employee stays late, and he he also stays late, and he's squints and growls at him but he's really happy to see his employee working hard you know so he's this hard-bitten guy who really can't express blah 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 and there's situations like that in real life where you know you see your boss and you just realize oh my goodness there's something admirable about the way he works his work 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 ethic or the way he's you know the, the way he manages difficult situations or whatever it may be um but the reason i disagree with uh, um you know not respecting is this I think that human society is a well-oiled, well, somewhat well-oiled machine. We try to make it a well-oiled machine, but we are completely, we're often very, you know, incompetent at that or very, it's very, it's a very, I mean, society is complex. That's why it's, that's why it's civilization. It's, 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 um, it's complex and yet it's for some reason working, right? We've, we have, we have systems in place in to gears turning in separate, separate places on the machine. And, you know, as a whole is making the machine work pretty, pretty darn well. And so I think that offices are part of those areas, part of those, um, um, how do I say, arms, or should I say importance to society. And it's different because America is a very, you know, we don't like hierarchy a lot at all in America. We like everybody being equal. But unfortunately, but this is the case. We live in a world where hierarchy must exist. There must be a boss. There must be. You can't get rid of that unless, of course, you say, well, socialism. Nope, not really. In socialism, there's the equal and there's the more equal. It's just that simple. It's always the case. So the natural, the natural state of this world is hierarchy. It's, it's, it's someone, someone is always in charge of someone else. And so the office of the boss, because he may not be a man suited for the office, 
but he is the man chosen for the office. And so the office ought to be respected. And so, you know, I like the whole thing. I'm, I'm not, this is an artificial construct. This is an artificial um, bandage because I don't think this is how respect ought to work, but this is how we, you know, in our world, we end up needing that it functions this way. They say, do not salute the man, but salute the uniform. The man wearing the uniform should be worthy of the uniform, but that's not always the case. And so what happens when, you know, privates start flipping off the general because they don't like him or because he's not a man worthy of the uniform? Well, anarchy. What happens is, well, things fall apart. The, the chain of command has been broken. And so the uniform means nothing. If the uniform means nothing, then anything goes. And so I'd say that, you know, is the same thing for the boss, the boss who isn't worthy of his uniform. It's the uniform that you respect. Though, though like I said, this is a lesser, lesser good. It is still a good. Because someday you're going to be boss. And you don't want your employee you don't want your employee doing the same thing to you. It doesn't matter. Some employees, no matter how good you are, some employees are going to complain about you. They just are. And they're going to say, well, so the other employees like him, but to, he's a jerk to me. Last time I came into his office, he you know, didn't even offer me a seat. Like, dude, you know, sure, whatever. Everybody has a reason for not respecting someone. Um, I think that the office should be respected because... Without that respect, without that respect to the office, things fall apart. Okay. What you're saying is really, you know, really important here. Here's kind of where I disagree a bit with your analysis. In your analysis, you assume that the world, though, is a perfect meritocracy, meaning all of your bosses started out on the bottom just like you and somehow through their skill worked up to be on the top. But let's say your boss happens to be the owner's son. And let's say he got to skip like five levels. Let's say he never start like, right? Like that's a huge thing in, in the military, for example, is that people who started off on the bottom and then work their way up tend to have so much more respect than some dude who was just like flown out. Okay. I'm now, I'm, you know, and that's kind of the problems in my world is when I have a boss, I'm always evaluating like, well, geez, you know, like I remember one time I had a boss who had never, ever taught a class before. Okay. And when you're a teacher, you don't respect people who have never, like some guy is coming into your room telling you how to run the classroom and he never did it himself. It's like, and, and he was there because of, you know, networking or whatever connections and so forth. So that's kind of where I get upset is that, if this world was a, a perfect meritocracy where you could look your boss square in the eye and be like, yep, he's nasty, he's brutal, he's mean, but he started off just as I did and, and worked his way up, okay, okie dokie. But we do have a, a number of situations in this world where we have bosses that, you know, you're the owner's son, you know, hey, I'm putting my son, I'm putting my cousin in charge, you know, and yeah. that that drives people crazy of like, well, why should I respect somebody who didn't start on level one like all of us? Absolutely, I don't believe this world is a is a perfect meritocracy. I, I think that it's. I, I don't think any. I I, I think that <laughs> people often get what they don't deserve, especially when it comes to work. That's why you know I said the uniform, you know, being filled by someone who is unworthy, it could easily be nepotism. 
you know, or it could easily be, you know, some sort of, you know, she's my girlfriend or, you know, uh, whatever it may be. So I, in spite of that, I think that it's still important. And here, here's, so there are two ways to handle this. There are just two ways to handle this. I think that if a person can sit down in the office and they know perfectly well that, you know, it's, they had uh, someone is trying to pull, you know, pull, pull wool over their eyes and, um, he's putting his son or his grandson in charge of them, the person can easily say, okay, he's still my boss. I don't have to respect him in the sense of, I know that he did not earn this, but the place that he is means something. It means something. Just like my place means something. This is, a, this is an exchange. Now, if they weren't paying me, this would be a different case, but they're paying me. They're, the part of my payments is not just, is part of my payments is my, how you say, my social participation in this office. Part of my payments is my participation in this, in this, um, in this theater, really, because I mean, most of our, most of our, all of our societal constructs is theater, but there's a, there's a participation and you're being paid for that participation. And so part of your payments is to say, is to speak to this person or to engage with this person based on their um, rank. And if their rank is boss and you are the subject, then you need to treat them as boss. That doesn't, no one is saying that you have to, you know, go home thinking, oh my goodness, Jeremy is just the best. Jeremy is just the best. <laughs> He's like, no, you don't have to say that. But when Jeremy says, hey, I would like a cup of coffee and that's your job, you say, yes, sir. And you go to one of my friends, you know, he, his boss told him, yeah, you don't have to call me, sir. He said, listen, man, you sign my paychecks. I'm calling you, sir. And so at the end of the day, no, the world is not a perfect meritocracy. It's at all. I would say that it's actually less, much, much less than perfect. Um, but there is, there are offices that for the sake of this continual engagement in society, for the sake of the continual existence of society, um, must be respected. The other option is just to leave. You can just walk away from it. You don't want to be a part of it. Walk away, find somewhere else that you can, you find a boss that you respect. I, I hear you that like whether the boss is the boss's son or um, nepotism or any of this other stuff. I think though that, you know, on paper, I hear what you're saying, but you know, there's like a thing in martial arts, right? If you're like the sensei of a dojo, for example, and some random dude walks off the street, which I don't know how much this happens anymore, but it used to happen back in the day. Some random dude would walk into the dojo and be like, let me speak to your sensei. I could beat your sensei up. Well, the sensei better get up there and the sensei better kick the ass of whatever newcomer walked into that dojo. And that's how you prove, and that's respect right there where the, the sensei is like, you know, I'm your sensei because I can beat up that muscular guy that just threatened me to a fight. Or, you know, like there's some chivalry. It's like, it's like, it's, it's a part of basic chivalry and if you have a boss in this world where they would go down like like would you listen to a sensei who you know completely got his ass kicked by some white random white belt who walked into the dojo you probably like you you're not you're not going to necessarily say well this is his dojo and i i do have to respect him you'd be like no my my, my man just got his ass kicked by a white belt and you're gonna you're, you're the respect is gonna is gonna is gonna decrease and I think that that is something that we can never forget. And if we have 
somebody that's in charge of us, but we know that's like, man, you know, if we were standing on the same playing field right now, I could totally, you know, and that's kind of how I thought with this dude who had never taught before. I'm like, man, you and I switched places, you'd be done for. You, you, these kids would eat you alive, you'd be done for. And that's that's kind of like, I, I think we. I might take a giant gulp and be like, all right, the, these guys are writing my paycheck. I'll just smile and do what they want. But I think internally that respect will never be there. And may, maybe maybe you have to have like outward reverence and outward respect, but internally you have to come to terms that inwardly you're not feeling it. Absolutely. I mean, respect is not, it's not something you feel. I mean, often it is. I mean, should I say there's an emotion that elicits respect, but respect is also a thing of the mind. And that's why sometimes, you know, for example, the, the bratty boss, the bratty teenage boss, or the guy who brings his grandson in there to be your boss, you don't have to say respect for him can simply be yes. He says, go clean the toilets. To say, okay, I'll clean the toilets because at the end of the day, you need to get paid. The respect is not that you respect him per se, but that his when his office gives the command, his office as the boss gives the command to your office that is lesser than his, you say yes. So it's not so much that you feel anything for him. In fact, if you saw him in the streets, you'd you know um, probably want to you know push him into a gutter or something. But the point is that his office exists. It's a, it's a, it's an it's an it's an artificial construct, but because you've chosen to live as a member of society, you must play the you must play by the rules of society, and so uh, I would say that it's um, it's not so much a it's not a real or should I say it's not a um, it's not re it's real to an extent, but it's not an it's not a felt respect. It's not a it's not a, a respect given willingly. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a respect, you know, given kicking and screaming. Um, but let me ask you nonetheless. final thing on this. Do you think that at any point, like, let's say, you know, the owner puts his son in charge. Is there ever a point where you can go to the owner and say, Hey, listen, my, my friend, I've been working here for 10 years. You know me, you know, I've always done a good job your son here is kind of like, you know, and you, you bring data with you. You say, Hey, look, come on, man. Like you can see here that our sales are declining. And is there ever a point where in the hierarchy, it's okay to go above your boss and, and try and perhaps usurp your bar respectfully, not, not, not disrespectfully, but respectfully try and usurp your boss. And, and, and you do it in a very intelligent way. Do you think that's ever appropriate? I think that that's actually, um, I think that is if if there yeah I think that's appropriate and especially if the there is how you say there's grounds for that in the workplace so for example yes you bring you you find out that you know the boss isn't really doing such a great job really for the company and you have the chops and you act you and you better have the chops you have the chops you can call go talk to someone who is above your boss but you what what you want to do is you want to make sure that it's about the work and not the boss not the man but the office because human beings we th we take things very personally and so if it's about the office and not the man it's i think there's a good place for that um if the office is not being fulfilled adequately and there is a place for it to be rectified um then yeah i mean that's why h i think hr departments exist 
I, I think that's a good rule. So like, let's say you're working and the boss's son is put in charge. Now you might begrudge the boss's son and be like, oh, that should have been me or whatever. But if the boss's son is pretty darn competent and really, really good at what he does, then you ought to maybe just back down and listen. Then he absolutely deserves the office. Right. But, it, but if he's not, then, 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 then you can start calling the nepotism card and you can start like, respectfully, you know, you're not attacking his character and so forth. You're, but if you can attack him on the merits of his performance, then you can, you can kind of fight back. Okay. Fair, fair enough. Right. Like life's a compromise. I get it. <laughs> All yeah. right. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I, yeah, I can, I can see that. Yeah. It, it's, it, it's definitely, it's definitely tough. Yeah. So the last thing I want to discuss on is when some, when somebody is, like actively disrespecting you. And it could be a boss, it could be a friend, it could, it could be in, in many of these things. I think that there's always a way where you have, you, you have a way of reminding them that they're infringing upon your baseline humanity. And I think, I think there's also a line, even if the person's in charge of you, even if they're your boss, if they yell at you and talk to you in a way that dehumanizes you, Again, that doesn't mean that you walk off the job. It doesn't mean that you do anything outrageous. I do think that there does come a point where it's like, hey, um, I, I would appreciate if, if you would, you know, kind of rephrase that or if you would address me um, like a, as a human being. And I think that, that that kind of skill also needs to kind of re-enter. And, and if that person does not abide by that and, and, con and keeps talking to you in a way that is disrespectful, there, there does come a point though, where that actually is hurting, not, not just you internally, it's also hurting you in how others perceive you, right? And, and, and the way, like this also sometimes manifests through a nasty nickname, okay? Let's say someone affords you like a nasty nickname. Mm. And as a result of that nasty nickname, mm. people stop respecting you as much. I think you need to kind of, you, you need to fight back. Because like that nasty nickname, like it's if if it's a nickname out of brotherly affection, okie dokie, you know, like fine, like uh, we're guys, we all do that. But sometimes nicknames have like a a double, like they have a like another purpose, and that purpose is to kind of take somebody who is otherwise of good character and sort of demean them. And and it's not just so that you feel bad, it's so that others see, look, this person is weak or this person is not as good as you think they are. Yeah, um, I think there is a place for that. So abs I, I would say absolutely. Now, I think there, because people love, we love standing up for ourselves. And often we stand up for ourselves, like, you know, and we become twice as unkind as the person being unkind to us. I think that it's, it's I want to clarify, because there are certain places where you stand up for yourself and you're going to get creamed. So, for example, you know, if we, if there was a king, and the king was taking 50% taxes from his citizens. And one citizen, you know, was barely making, making it. And he went to the king and said, King, I can't afford the tax anymore. I can't, um, I'm not going to pay it. And the king says, well, very well, off with your head. Well, great he's gonna die now but he spoke up he spoke up for himself but he's gonna die you know what i mean the point is that um 
I think it's perfectly fine, but know that it's some, when you do speak up for yourself in certain places, there are going to be consequences. You just have to be willing to take the consequences, mm-hmm. you know? So when you, when you speak up against the boss who can easily fire you without any repercussions, don't be surprised. Don't be, I mean, if you're going to walk out of there, walk out of there knowing that, okay, I knew this was going to happen, but I did what I thought I had to do. And I did it respectfully. I didn't, you know, I didn't insult him. I didn't whatever. Um, but you know, I'm packing my things and I'm leaving. So, yeah. You know, and I, I think this ties a little bit to our last conversation on pride a, a, a bit here. And I, I think that one in every encounter that you're, you're in, you have to ask yourself a few questions here. And it's like, do I, am I feeling disrespected justly or unjustly? And this is like the, I think this is the critical thing here, because if you are the lowest performer in the office, right, and you're being disrespected for that, and we, we can argue whether hazing and all this other stuff is good or negative and so forth, but mm. you could at least at the very least say, okay, I'm kind of being chastised, I'm being criticized, because my performance is at a level that's really low, and it's not yielding appropriate levels of respect. Mm. But I think that in every single one of these encounters, you have to always pause, check yourself, make a little checklist, open up Microsoft Word, whatever it takes, and be like, wait a minute, I've gone above and beyond everyone else that's here right now, and I'm still getting disrespected. I'm still getting lip from, from, from my superiors. And you might need to say to yourself, geez, it looks like this is kind of unwarranted, unwarranted disrespect. And it's being used as a tool to kind of um, depreciate my value in this, in this environment. And, and again, there may not, you may go to the King and get your head chopped off, just as you said. And, and I agree with you, man, when you speak up, boy, oh boy. And believe me, I've learned this firsthand. You will get your head chopped off, just letting you know. (laughs) But at the same time, you may, you may need to make that decision of like, and again, it's it's hard to separate pride from respect. Like it's there's there's almost like a Venn diagram, and it's really difficult. But if you say to yourself, "Hey, I'm working my butt off here. I'm the hardest working person here. I have respect for myself. I need to go somewhere else where my talents will be appreciated." And I think that is is carrying appropriate respect for yourself. Yeah, I, I would I would definitely agree with that. I, I don't think that a person has to, you know, stick around and be, you know, diminished and humiliated and, uh, you know, in any way hurts because, um, because they feel this need to stay. That's, it's very strange sometimes, I think. um, But I, I do believe that, you know, often when people speak up, there are consequences but we just need to be willing, willing to deal with those consequences. Absolutely. And, uh, because I, I, you know, there have been many times in my life, not just in work situations, but in friendship situations where I felt the level of disrespect was at a level that was just inappropriate, like just like a, at a level that was, you know, and again, like I'm, pr- if you know me, man, I'm a pretty relaxed, easygoing dude. But I think there's a point where it's like, well, what's the consequence? You may not have any friends. You may you may actually find yourself alone. But I think there are critical junctures in our life where we say to ourselves, hey, man, 
the the time that I'm spending in this interaction is making me feel like complete shit and lowering my self-esteem. And because I have respect for myself, I'm going to separate myself from the situation. And yes, I will accept the negative consequences that of having no friends or whatever it is, or lack of employment as a result of preserving my respect. And it, it is, it is, it is a rough balance and there are consequences. Kenny, thank you so much for being such a respectful person on my show today. I respectfully <laughs> accept. <laughs> Take care, my friend. You too, my good man. This concludes the 101st episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.